It's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show. Yep, I'm back. I'm back alive. I'm here. Guess what, folks? Ladies and gentlemen, he is here, Dr. Matt Fink. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastically well. Um, so glad you guys uh, that, that you guys are out touring. The Revolution is out touring. Um, are you guys over right now? Are you done touring, or we, are there still more? I think there's there's still more shows in the books. So you've got a First Avenue show coming up here too, don't you? Uh, no, no First Avenue shows coming up. But oh. uh, we just did a show in Minneapolis. We just had a show in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago. Uh, which is called the Basilica Block Party, which is an outdoor show uh, right in front of the big uh, Basilica Church for fundraiser. They have that every year, and uh, it usually goes for a couple days. And uh, that was the first time we've ever played the Basilica Block Party. It was really great. And then last weekend we were in... um, Victoria, British Columbia, playing at the Phillips Brewery Backyard Weekend. <laughs> wow. You know who I was thinking about? Yeah. I, uh, that's, that's cool. But you know who I was thinking about? I was thinking uh, about NPG. NPG is going to be doing a show at First Avenue. So, and so let me, that, that's, ah. so let me, let me ask you this. This is a crazy question. And I, I already know the answer, but is there ever a possibility that you can think of in the in the future where there will be a bill where it would be the Revolution and NPG playing on the same show? Can you ever foresee that? There is a possibility of that. Yeah, there there are some uh, rumblings about it. No, there's been a little bit of rumbling, but nothing definite yet. And if anything, you know, we, we'll play with it. We already played with the time. Uh, we did a, a show with the time a little bit uh, earlier this year. Was that in June? Wichita, Kansas. We just played there in June with them. And uh, that was nice. And then, uh, um, you know, we have a lot of dates still coming up here. Uh, three shows in August, five in September, and nine, count them, nine in October. Oh man, I, you know, to, I, I'm just like envisioning this this huge purple bill that has the revolution, has the time, has NPG, has you know maybe other artists too, like you know Liv Warfield and Andy Allo really? and, and those. Type, I mean, that would just be the, the family. The family, yeah, abs- the family. Absolutely, that would be. All that stuff. You have yeah. like a festival that would that would showcase all of you guys. I don't even know how you would even decide who would headline. I you would have to be you guys, but I mean, I just that would be insane. And Sheila E, I just can't. Well, oh, I, 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 I can see, I can see it happening. I just don't know when it'll happen. I don't. I, you know, it's 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 easier said than done. You know, just put it that way. Well. You know, so. Well, you know, logistically, you know, getting people together, schedules and all that, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. I can just put it that way. Yeah, I can only imagine. Well, I mean, again, it's an honor to have you here. You were the uh, first keyboardist that I ever air keyboarded to. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, yeah, back in the Purple Rain days, and I still can remember dancing around in my living room doing the runs. Uh, <laughs> All right. That's great. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, you know, you guys have been, you know, you guys are doing this tour, and you guys are spending a lot of time together. What is the possibility, or is it happening in the background? Because you, you all are, are writers what is the possibility of us seeing some new music from the revolution? Well, you're, you'll probably see uh, some unreleased music from the vault first. You'll more than likely see that before you see brand new music, but you'll also uh, hopefully see some of this uh, material that was never released, and uh, which there's quite a few good ones in there. So... Uh, it just depends on, you know, how the Prince of State, how they want to time all that stuff. So we're just, you know, waiting for them to, you know, get their act together, so to speak, or how they want to, you know, stagger releases out of the vault. Right. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I say odds are good And then, yeah, and then, yeah, there may be a, a, a few singles coming from the revolution uh, as well. It's just new ones, but that's, uh, you know, I, I, I probably don't foresee that until next year. Now, these songs that are in the vault that all of you were involved in writing or, you know, playing along. It, performing. It, performing. Yeah. Do you... Is there any, do they have to come to you and ask you and say, you know, we're going to release this song or you're pretty much your, your hands are out of this. If they want to release something, even if you're against it, you're, you're pretty much at their mercy at this point. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, that's true. Because Uh, the reality is, is that Prince, Prince really wrote uh, most of that, although, you know, some of the band members had a hand in, you know, creating parts or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the Prince of State has the control over that. Hmm. Where were you before the revolution? Because I don't know that a lot of people know about your background. Weren't your parents in theater? Let's give a little bit of background. Well, you know, I started playing piano when I was a, a kid, you know, I was like seven years old, six, seven years old right there. Uh, my parents asked me if I wanted to take some piano lessons, and I said, sure, why not? My older brother was already taking lessons, and I, I found that interesting, you know, watching him do it. And I thought, you know, I, I'd like to try that. So they asked me if I wanted to, and I said, sure. And, uh, and then I just uh, had private... Uh, instruction all the way through my high school senior year and started playing in bands when I was 12, actually. So my first band gig, I think I was about 12 and a half or so, and we played at uh, some girl that we knew in school, her, her bat mitzvah. And that was our first gig slash party that we performed at, that, that group. And it was all seventh graders that lived on my street right on my block <laughs> we all made a band <laughs> and put it together and, and 
And the nucleus of that group actually stayed together through uh, most of my senior year of high school. But about oh, a couple months before I was to finish high school, I auditioned for another band that was touring around uh, the Midwest here. And they uh, hired me. So, uh, and, and I also would like the, the summer of uh, my 10th grade year, Going into 10th grade, I played with another group besides that other band. I spent the summer uh, playing with a bunch of older guys. And we had like a, what's called a house gig at a club up on a lake resort, which was about, oh, an hour drive or more, you know, north of uh, Minneapolis. And so I was playing there on the weekends. And uh, I was underage. I was 16 at the time. But the, the bar owner the other way because I, oh, I really shouldn't have, I really shouldn't have been working there at that age, but I, I did. <laughs> I've, heard then, that, I've heard that story many, many oh, times. Bye, bye. <laughs> yeah. So by the, by the time I was 18, uh, I joined this other group called uh, Zachariah and they were playing all around uh, the Midwest and traveling on the weekend, driving usually. And then uh, I was in that for about a year and a half, and then I joined another group of guys who were based out of uh, what was called White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and they were called the Bear Town Rocket, as in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. So they they, they uh, brought me in, and that's where I really learned my uh, chops on funk and R&B music was with those guys. And then, you know, by the time I was just, 20 years old, I managed to land that audition with Prince. Which took place where? The place in uh, this gentleman by the name of Peppy Willie's basement, who was one of Prince's, uh, kind of a relative through marriage. He married one of uh, Prince's half-sister, maybe? What was it? Cousin. Prince's cousin. Peppy was married to Prince's cousin, and Peppy's uncle was one of the original members of Little Anthony Anthony and the Imperials. And Pepe, yeah. Pepe moved here from Brooklyn, New York, actually, where he was born. So he was a mentor to Prince and gave Prince some of his first uh, experiences in the recording studio when Prince was about 15 years old, playing for Pepe. Was the 94 East Sessions? Yeah. I was wearing that mix, too, I imagine. Yeah, that's that's the '94 East thing. Uh, Prince did not perform with '94 East, so that got into that. Bobby Z did for a little bit, very short time, but you know, before Prince hired him. So, do you feel or, like the audition went well when you were there, or do you feel like ah, I could have done better? What What did you audition with, or was it just a jam session? Oh, uh, well, yeah, the audition. Excuse me, the audition went really well. Prince had all the equipment there. I didn't really need to bring anything of my own. He had, you know, every great kind of piece of keyboard equipment you could ever want. Uh, you know, because he had his record deal with Warner Brothers, and they, you know, gave him a nice budget to go out and buy equipment and everything for the band. So, yeah, I thought the audition went really well. So how did he let you know? Because I always hear these stories that, you know, 
where they say, oh, I, I tried out, and then I didn't know how it went, and then days and days and days went by, and then I get a call out of the blue, and, I, <laughs> and then he lets me know. How did he let you know you were in the band? Well, he, he, there, were, there was about a three-week uh, lag time after the audition, and the only thing I could go by was my own feelings about it and how I felt it went. So, um, of course, I was keeping my fingers crossed that he was going to bring me into the group. And uh, it was about three weeks later, I got the uh, call from his manager to let me know that he, they hired me. That's how it worked. That's very nice. So we'll, so we'll stay in chronological order because one of the things, one of the funniest stories that I ever heard, I was, <laughs> I laughed for about five minutes was uh, the story about Des Dickerson and, you know, how he was having a little bit of a, you know, in- internal dialogue about not really kind of wanting to stay with the band or not necessarily not wanting to stay with the band, but wanting the, the band to tone back on a lot of the, uh, you know, just a lot of the, the sexual innuendos and just kind of not just be less dirty. Um, and the the story about him talking with the whole entire band and everybody appeared to be on his side. Went, okay, yeah, yeah, when he comes back in here, we'll all tell him. Yeah, we're going to, you know, not, <laughs> let, let's see if we can pull back a little bit. And then when Prince walked in the room, pretty much everybody jumped ship. <laughs> and, and then he got uh, he got a little frustrated and threw a chair at you. Is that, is that part of the story correct? Well, see, it, that's not not exactly the way it went. I don't know if anybody's read about that story. In his, it's in his book. In Des's book, he, he actually uh, talked about that. But it was actually the 1999 tour. We were going to play in Minneapolis soon, and uh, we were on tour, and uh, Des wanted the band to side with him to not do just the song Head in Minneapolis because he just couldn't uh, bring himself to doing that in front of his parents. So he wanted us all to uh, let that one go and tell Prince that we were going to vote that one out of the show. And I just said, I said, Des, you, I, you can't do that. You know, that's just not something that, that we do. You know, this is his show, it's his band. It's his, you know, record deal. He he can do whatever he wants. Why, why would you think that he's going to listen to us? And he goes, well, I want you all to try. So the band went along with it, including myself, <laughs> against my better judgment. Against my better judgment. And uh, so at the sound check at the show we were doing the next day, he brought the subject up and talked about how we had all discussed that we were, didn't want to have that song performed in Minneapolis. And when it came time for him to ask me for my vote, that's when I jumped ship. It was me, not the other band members, just me. That's when I said, well, you know, know, it really is his show. So I don't know if it's such a good idea. And I started talking like that. And that's when he grabbed the uh, drum stool that he was sitting on and started chasing me with it. He was trying to clobber me with it. He didn't actually throw it. He's too too big and heavy to throw at me, but he came at me. You know, I was just behind the keyboards, and then I had to uh, pretty much run off the stage to avoid being attacked, and uh, and that was the end of that. 
But yeah, th- there is a little bit of peace of this, though. He did, he did apologize later, though. He did apologize for his behavior. <laughs> no, I mean, but I can totally feel. I can totally feel where he's at because I think we've all had those moments where you kind of like you have discussion with other people, whether it's a work situation or whether it's something personal, and you have these discussions with these people and say, "Okay, so when the boss comes in, here's what we're going to do." And then, and then when it comes time to actually happen, everybody's like, well, you know, I was kind of thinking about it, you know, after we talked and, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea. And just that, just that rage that happens inside of you, you're just like, I I thought you were on my side on this one. So I, I totally get it. But there, there's a side of this that I, I find interesting. And I've always wanted to ask you is that, you know, this, the music that was being played in as especially the lyrical content when you're talking about, you know, head and sister and all those things. What was, did you guys ever have a discussion off, off the side or just even internally with yourself and go, man, some of these lyrics are just wow. Because there wasn't, there wasn't a whole bunch of this going on. I mean, did, what, what was your thought during that thing? Are you, were you excited that it was, that it was being accepted the way that it was or what was your internal thought about just the lyrical content and how, just how it was back in that day? Well, I, I knew that it was going to be controversial and, but for me, I, I was always open-minded to anything. And of course I, I used to listen to uh, Frank Zappa at that time and a few other artists that had risque lyrics and this was before Prince started doing that kind of lyrical content, and uh, some of these other people were already doing what would have been considered R-rated material. So I, I just didn't uh, have a problem with it, other than I knew that it would create a stir. And of course, Tipper Gore, you know, tried to create the the PMRC labeling system for everything and uh, you know for for records and mature content and all that so there was a lot of controversy and of all the people that you know went in front of congress to testify was uh zappa frank zappa himself got in there and defended the freedom of speech and the first amendment so you know i was i was all behind zappa and and definitely you know against censorship so that's the way i felt about it you know so i I didn't really have a problem with it although you know i was kind of i got a little squeamish here and there you know in the beginning like oh no what's going to happen you know was a little there was a little bit of trepidation about it knowing that, that it would be controversial but uh but in the end you know i never you know, spoke out against it to, towards Prince because I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I and I was I was having fun with it. I thought he was, you know, really uh, breaking new ground by by going that direction. So, hmm. what can I say? So, I, there. Here's another question that I've always wanted to ask you, and it's during uh, the sign of the times era. This this is like after he's made a decision at this point to kind of disband the revolution and kind of move in a little bit different direction, but kept you on board. How, what was your feelings during that? Yes. What was your feelings during that time as far as, you know, 
obviously there's a little bit of sadness because you're not going to be able to work with these people that you've worked with for all these years. But what, what is going through your head? Are you thinking, why is he keeping me? What, what's, you know, was there conversations that happened, which obviously there's conversations that happen between you and him, but what did that discussion look like between you and him and what was going on in your head? Well, it was, uh, first of all, I, I was really saddened by his decision and, you know, the way he put it to me was, um, you know, I've decided to disband the group, but I'm allowing you to have a choice to stay or go as you see fit. I mean, it's, and he's even said, I would understand that, understand if you felt like you needed to leave too, uh, with the other group members. Um, and I just said, well, I really don't want to leave. Um, and I'm sure they don't either. And I really don't agree with your decision here. And is there anything I can say or do that could change your mind? And he said, no. And then, you know, I thought about it for a while. You know, I said, well, let me just, you know, think about it. and I'll get back to you. And so the, the next day I called him and I said, well, I've decided to stay on because I really don't see any upside to leaving right now. <laughs> and, and I don't why why I should you know I do I just I, as bad as I felt about being separated from the other people of the group who I cared for deeply it was hard it was like losing family members you know so it, you know I tried to stay in touch with the, the other band members after things changed but the, you know I didn't know what else to do you know it was it was either do that or leave and then try to find something else. And, and that we all know how iffy that can be in the music industry. Although I will tell you, because um, people in the industry heard about the revolution being torn apart like that, uh, a lot of them, people didn't get the word that I was still in the group. So I started getting calls, actually, from other major artists asking if I was available to go on their tours. Amongst them was Bob Seger. So, <laughs> oh, and I, I had to say, well... I, I nope. I uh, sorry, Bob. I, I I love you what you do, but I'm still with Prince. And then a few years after that, I also uh, had a call to, to work with another well-known group, and uh, I just said no. You know, Maxwell, the artist Maxwell, wanted me to join him too at one time. Nice. So I don't know. Yeah, but but you know, I was working for Prince, so <laughs> I, I didn't take those. Things. That's uh, obviously. Uh, so, but you know that you know, uh, you know the, I probably would have stayed longer with Prince, and you know I stayed with him another four years beyond the, the breakup of the revolution, and uh, but some certain circumstances got in the way, and I had to make a choice at that time as well to uh, do some production work and things like that that were coming my way, and he wanted me to be on the road. I, I couldn't get away because I, you know, we were on a break, pretty long break, and I was working on some other projects that uh, were difficult to get out of, and that's why uh, I left at that time, at the end of 1990. So, but it's I always wanted to get back together with them and the revolution, and uh, there was some, again, rumblings and talk on his end about doing that uh, sometime after 2014 because I did meet with him and he he talked about it with me. 
right away. In fact, he brought it up. I did. I didn't say, hey, when are you, gonna, are you ever going to put us back together and do something? And he, he just, uh, you know, broached the subject right when I walked in the room to talk to him. You know, we did, I did a post about, I had heard some, I can't remember the source, and even if I could remember, I wouldn't divulge it, but it was about getting the revolution back together. Um, this is before he passed, obviously, and uh, somebody internally had told me about that, had said, they're talking about it. <laughs> and I was like, no, they're not. Oh. <laughs> no, they're not. And... And I was just like, do I trust what this person is saying to me or not? And I did a post on it, and everybody, it seemed like everybody in the world were like, you should have your blog license revoked. You're full of crap. And I was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> I just, <Yeah>. I, <laughs> it would have been fantastic. I know that. So Sign of the Times starts moving, and uh, we're going to move a lot faster once we get we'll get through here. But um when Sign of the Times is moving now, um, are you liking the direction that he's going with this music? It seems like there was just so many. It, it just seemed like every single album was just so, so vastly different. Did you just really, just really embrace some of the things that he was doing, or because of just the freshness of the disillusion of, or, or dissolving of uh, the revolution? Is it just everything just kind of a little bit too fresh to kind of really get into it? Do you kind of feel like you're in a, always in a testing mode? Well, how did you feel about the music and just the vibe that was going on during Sign of the Times? Oh, I, I, I really like Sign of the Times a lot. Um, and, and, you know, between that and the Love Sit Sexy and Batman albums, it, it was all very challenging to recreate live. So, you know, it, was, it took a lot, of, uh, a lot of work and time and rehearsal to uh, make those come together. What do you think? Your, you said it was a lot of challenging things. What what song was the most challenging to pull off live, out of all of them that you can remember? You were like every single time you saw it coming up on the set list, you were like, "Oh God!" <laughs> was there any of those? Um, no, not really. Because once you get it down, you know you got it down. And it's not like you're you're worried you're gonna make a mistake or anything like that. It's just uh, it's just the process and sometimes of. of getting things to sound right. You know, certain songs took longer than, than others. That's all. Yeah, you made a mention of some songs in Paisley Park or wherever they are now, wherever they're being stored, I guess, in Iron Mountain or wherever, that are probably going to be unreleased yeah. songs that are probably going to be released. Uh, are you? Have you been made aware of any specific songs that you know are coming down the pike beyond this piano and a microphone, 1983 things that happening in September? No. Okay. So, you, so it, it, it's, it's a total, it, it's a guess at best that hopefully they're going to be releasing some of these things that from that era. Right. Okay. So are there some songs, specific songs, you need some specific titles now. Are there specific songs that you know of that were not released that you're like, oh, this would be fantastic if they could release this song or that song? Can you think of a couple songs that you really, really loved that you really want to see an official release for? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a song called, uh, I think it's In My Dreams or Dreams. I think it was bootlegged. Um, or All My Dreams. All My Dreams. That's, That's it. Yeah. I've heard yeah. it, actually. Yeah. Is it All My Dreams? 
Yeah, it's all my dreams. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it. It's gotten out there, hasn't it? Yes, it has gotten out there. Um, yeah, yeah. It it's it, it's been out there. Well, you got to understand. It, see here here's. <laughs> I've been a fan since 1982, so obviously you're a hero of mine. And so in the 80s and even into the 90s, the whole bootleg thing, it was just, there was a record store that I used to be able to go down to, and they would just have these CDs. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm a teenager, and I would go down to this record store, and they would have CDs from Prince of a bunch of songs that I had never heard before. And to me, in my mind, I'm not thinking about, oh my gosh, I these are a bunch of songs that <laughs> you know I can get a hold of and and you know the artists aren't gonna get paid for this or that's those types of things aren't going through my mind. The things that's going through my mind is, oh my god, there's a bunch there's a CD here with a bunch of songs I've never heard before. I need to get this, I need to have this. And I think there's um you know, I wanna dabble in that just for a second. Because um, I know you're very, um, you're very outspoken in regards to unreleased music and and bootlegs and things like that. Um, what do you think? I mean, what do you say to these people that are just obsessive? Even like myself, I'll admittedly say it. Admit it, like myself, that just really just want to hear everything that he ever did, whether it was not in a finished format or not, and not to at the at the detriment of the musician or the artist that are on there, but just because of the fact that we really want to hear his thoughts and his process, and especially now that he's not with us anymore, and especially now that we don't even know if we're ever even going to get to ever hear those songs in an official format in our lifetime. But what is your... I, I think I've read some things with you regarding how outspoken you are in bootlegs, but I'd really like to hear it directly from you as far as your perception of the music in, in those forms as unreleased or slash bootlegs. Well, I've heard, I've heard some bootlegs. I've had people give me some things uh, that got out of the vault uh, that were taken by unauthorized by people that worked for him. And, you know, he was very upset that, over filtering his music and it was getting out there and it was also getting out there not always in the best mixes or you know state or finished versions of some songs and you know that would bother me too if, if you had unfinished material in there that maybe you were going to get back to someday and polish up or Maybe you just felt that that wasn't releasable because you didn't like it in the end, you know, because, you know, not every song can be a hit or not every song you write is going to be, you know, what you envisioned. Uh, and however, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I heard that was bootleg that came out, um, I heard a lot of crappy mixes on them because they weren't mixed yet. And that would bother me a lot. I, I, you know, some of the songs sounded like they could be great songs, but he obviously didn't take the time to mix them yet. And who knows? He maybe he was going to release them someday. I don't know. I just know that I heard a lot of material. The material I thought was really good, and it just needed a better mix on it or whatever and master. You know, he's mixing and mastering. So that's the whole key now. Is like when when 
they decide what songs are worthy, what they think are worthy of these people in the who are in charge of that. And I think when they when it comes time to do the revolution stuff, you know, they're going to consult with with us as well. You know, they're going to have us listen and say, hey, you know, hopefully be in on some of the mixing process and all that. It needs a mix. You know, there may be songs that are mixed, but regardless, I, I would I would definitely listen to that stuff and refine the mixing and then, you know, get it mastered. If it was already mastered before, I would get it remastered and, uh, you know, do it that way. And, um, you know, I, I just think uh, there's a lot of great material hidden in the vault. Mm-hmm. And that the stuff that already got bootlegged should, should be remixed and remastered anyway. The majority of that was not final mixes. Well, I, I know I can speak. I mean, I've, you know, because of all these decades of, of following Prince, I, I own quite a bit of unreleased material. And I think the, the thing about it is, though, is that when it does come, it, for me, it's that completest mentality. It's that, it's that mentality that I really need to hear everything this man did. I really want to hear everything that you guys did. I mean, and it's just, it's again, it's that completist mentality. But when this music does officially get released, it's not like I'm letting this album sit out there and, and I'm not, it's not like I'm not going to buy it because if there's an official version of this, I'm, I'm like in the front of the line, just like most of these other people, we're going to buy it just because that's, that's the reality. We do want to hear the final mixes and everything, but it's just, all my dreams is actually one of the ones that I agree with you needs to be in the front of the line, primarily because of the fact that you're not the first person that said that. Brent Fisher, I did an interview with Brent, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, name a song. And all my dreams was the first one that he mentioned. I was like, this song was one of those songs that was just breathtaking, and it's just yeah, I, to see an official release. If I know that people from Paisley Park are listening, they I I get communique. So I can tell you that yeah. for, for for those that are for those from Paisley Park that are listening and the powers that be, all my dreams <laughs> needs to be in that mix for sure. And yes, I I do also want to make sure that they also know that just like you said, I I definitely feel that it would be in their best interest to make sure that they do consult with all of you and sit down and say, okay, we're in this mode right now. What songs do we need to work with? What songs do we need to master, you know, remaster? What songs do we need to remix and make good decisions about the people that were actually involved? Not just an archivist. God bless the archivist. I can't imagine what that job is like, but I think that all the people that were involved in creating this music definitely need to be involved in this process. And I don't know that that's necessarily been the case for the decisions that they've been making. Uh, would you agree, disagree? No, 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 they have. They have? No, mm-hmm. no, no, they have not. Oh, they have not. Okay. <laughs> I was like, really? I didn't know that. No, no, no. Who Who do you yeah. think should oh, be? Five. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that, that uh, you know, we've talked to the the powers that be, and we've we've insisted that you know when it comes time to decide what unreleased revolution material comes out, that we want to be uh, 
involved. That's all. Yeah, I mean, they agree. can you think of somebody specific that you think should be should definitely be involved like the the person that's kind of making some of these calls i I know we we've kind of all been pointing the fingers you know at taika we've been pointing the fingers at you know various people it's like taika's not involved in this in some of these decisions it's just not just she's just a name on paper really probably and I i don't know what her all involvement is or what anybody's involvement really is but can you think of somebody that you think now that would be a great person to be at the helm is it sheila e is it you is it who do you think would be I guess, or or is that going to be dependent on whatever time period that they're focusing on? I and mean, what do you think the answer to this is to help well, them guide they, the? Guide. They have they have somebody that they that's really reliable, experienced person that Prince was working with the last several years uh, before he he left us, and and that gentleman is a uh, well-known Warner Brothers guy. A&R person named Michael Howe, and he's heavily involved with that. And then there's another gentleman by the name of Troy Carter, who is an artist, um, also A&R kind of guy that, that works for Spotify. He's high up in the Spotify company. So they got both two, two really good ears on the material. And uh, you've also got Susan Rogers being consulted, who is Prince's, you know, engineer for many years. She's an excellent source. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so you've got good people. You've got good people, you know, who are overseeing what's in the vault and, you know, making good decisions, I think. You know, you just, just, can't, you just can't put it all out at once. You know, you have to stagger it and make wise decisions on the timing and what to put out and all that. Yeah, I, I think that from, um, I think that's kind of where everybody's getting a little bit upset from a fan standpoint is really the, the, the timing of it. I just think that, I, I, I think of, there's a lot of frustration and that's essentially what we're hearing is that, you know, there's a lot of time that passes and then they make an announcement about, you know, what they're going to release. And, and it's not really what, I don't know. I think every, if you ask a variety of people, what it is specifically that they want to see from Paisley park, your answers are going to be all over the map. But I just think that the, it just, it just feels, I think, I think (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of fans that would love, love it if they just remixed or mixed and mastered whatever's in there and just threw it up on the wall. Well, yeah. You know, I'm sure I'm sure that people just like to have access to everything in there, whatever's there, including video content, you know. But you know, we all know that realistically that uh, that's not gonna happen. Well, I just think what makes the most sense, I think they had a good idea, a good solid kicking off point foundation when they did the deluxe edition of, of Purple Rain. Um, I think that is a. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think as each one of these albums comes into an anniversary type of, of format, that these albums are are remixed. Maybe you get to hear you know other songs that were recorded around the same time. I think that's a fantastic answer to. I think that's one that makes the most sense chronologically and just being able to deliver things in a sensical way. And I just, I think that's where people's mm-hmm. frustration is, is because it's, it just seems 
nonsensical at this point. And, and it, it may, it may be it's yeah. not, but that's what it looks like. That's the perception from the people and, and how we're, you know, how these, I, I, I mean, this piano and a microphone, 1983, we're all waiting to hear it. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, the clips that they've put out there, like they put out Mary, don't you weep and everything. And I, I'm looking forward to it, but to have to wait a year for a 35 minute album, um, it's just fine, but I just, you know, I, I again, I think that's. I thought it was coming out. I thought it was coming out in this fall. Yeah, September. Yeah, yeah September. September. But when was it released before that? Okay. So okay. that's that's what I'm saying. It's, I'm, I'm talking about the spacing between the releases. Oh, just just the purple rain, just the just the purple rain thing. Yeah, last year. Yeah. So, so tell let's let's definitely fast forward. What are you doing now? What what are you up to? What are, what are some of the things that you've got going on with yourself? Oh, well, I, I helped to uh, develop a new music streaming service that has been launching now since the uh, end of March. Uh, it's called MyMyMusic.com, and there's uh, Android and iPhone apps available for it now, so you can stream on your phone, you can stream online uh, with your computer, and it's a company that's... Uh, specifically dedicated to the independent, unsigned hip-hop and or R&B artists. And as time moves up forward with this company, we'll be adding other music genres, you know, like country and pop and EDM, et cetera, et cetera. But right now we're focused on the R&B hip-hop market because it is the largest uh, selling segment of the music genres. It's, it encompasses, you know, about 35% of the market worldwide. So, uh, but the, the one thing that makes us different is that uh, all the songs are to be blind judged by the users. And as you judge and critique the music, uh, the, the stuff that people enjoy the most rises to the top. So the cream of the crop you know, makes it into the streams. Those artists are revealed to you right after you do your judgment on them. So it's kind of like the voice television show, but online, and you're the judge. And the music, uh, the cream of the crop, rises to the top. And uh, there's all kinds of gamification that's being added to the site as well, so that uh, you know people who become critics or are uh, promoting artists and promoters have a way to get a, a revenue stream from that and uh, the artists will also be gain, gaining a revenue stream from you know subscribers and advertisers on the site and it will be way less expensive monthly than the you know the big companies like Spotify and Amazon iTunes mainly uh, and that's mainly because um, we do not have the upfront cost of dealing with the major labels, which is 70% licensing fees upfront for the, uh, you know, usage of those artists. And this way it's a, it becomes a major discovery platform for, uh, independent artists, for people to discover new talent. And also for established artists who don't like being on the major labels to showcase their material. That sounds really interesting. So, That's you know, pretty so people cool. Like, 
it's very, it's very cool. It's a, it's a new, you know, shift in the music industry and we're shaking it up now. We're going to shake things up and, uh, rewrite how the business is going to go. And we also will have a, uh, all record label associated with it. And we're just about to sign one of the first artists onto our label. But instead of putting the artist into debt, <laughs> what big major labels do to people, uh, we don't go that route. Well, we, we make it so that they don't have to, you know, be uh, in debt to the bank, so to speak. So, so okay, so... What, what, what? Well, first off, let me give out a, let me give out our our phone number. If you if there's anybody out there that would like to ask uh, uh, Dr. Fink a question, you're more than welcome to. You can call in on the phone. It's eight three one seven 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 Funk. Again, that's eight three one seven 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 three eight six five. If you want to get on the phone and you want to uh, ask a question, uh, Matt, while we got him, um, I do have a question about that though. So, what if I'm in? What if I'm in a band? And I know I'm really good, and I'm in the R&B market, or I'm in the hip hop market. Um, how do it, do I can can I just send you a demo, or can I what what is what is the process for me getting involved with my my music as an artist? Oh, the process is the process is go to the website on your computer, create an artist account, and upload your music. That's all it is. It's free. There's no charge to the artist, and you don't need any kind of permission from me or anybody else in the company. It's free to all users. And then if you're a listener, you can sign up either on your phone app or online, of course, on your computer going to the website. So uh, it's, it's very easy. And currently, we do not have our subscription service up and running yet because we're in the introduction phase of company. So anybody who gets in now gets in free. They don't have to pay a subscription price. And uh, once things are moving along with more and more users, you'll still have the option of having a subscription price, which will not exceed $3 a month or a free subscription service. The only difference is you'll have to you know, listen to ads or see ads on the uh, site much like Spotify or uh, Pandora in that respect. But if you, if you do get a subscription, you're able to create your own playlists and uh, avoid ads and all the rest of it, just like Spotify. That's pretty cool. Uh, this definitely seems like something that, that Prince would have gotten involved in. He was a way more, he was just so hands-on with, with, you know, finding new artists and, it was just really good about that, so it's, yeah. it's good to see some of that. We, we got a caller here. Let's see. Uh, let me get uh, this person on the line here. Okay. And uh, welcome to Funked Up. You're on the line with Dr. Matt Fink. Who is calling? Uh, this is 1958. Hey, Mr. 1958. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm a big supporter of uh, what you do, Christopher. And... Uh, Dr. Fink, uh, I gotta say, I saw you uh, at Mohegan Sun, did the after show, met you guys uh, downstairs at that place. If you remember that, uh, what a great, uh, what a great thing! And I thank you guys for the fact that you brought some closure to what many fans are looking for, you know, and that is, you know, the the tragedy of, of what we're feeling 
and you guys kind of you gave us a celebration of music uh and no matter what anybody says you know the revolution is and i think will always be uh exactly uh what we epitomize uh prince as in our heads um i've got two questions uh mr fink first off um one is was there ever a moment uh as you were uh, working with Prince, where he did something that just impressed you on such a level. Was there something like uh, just that moment that you were like, "This guy is he knows what he's doing." Well, you know, to be honest, uh, the the very first listen of the first album. Or actually, I should even go before that. The very first time I heard Prince's demos that got him the record deal with Warner Brothers back in 1977, I heard those demos played for me directly from Bobby Z. He got copies of them. He took me out to his car. Bobby came out to watch me play with the band I was working with at the time. And during the break, during sets, he... In between sets, he took me out to the car to listen to Prince's demos and to uh, introduce me to his music. And that's when I, you know, I said to Bobby, I said, so Bobby, um, this is is amazing. Who's the band? What's the name of the band? (laughs) And he said, it's not not a band. It's a guy Mm -hmm. doing everything in the studio. And he's your contemporary. You guys were are the same age. And I said, you got to be kidding. You know, at the time I heard that I was just maybe barely turned 20. I think at the time, uh, Prince, Prince was a little bit younger than me by a few months, but, uh, just, uh, I was astounded. It, it just, the, at how proficient, the the playing and the singing and everything was on those demos. And I just said to Bobby, I said, you know, I, I'd love to meet this guy. Uh, what's he doing? And he said, well, I, I'm working with his manager, Owen Husty, and, you know, they're going to be shopping him to the major labels soon. And I said, wow, okay, let me know uh, when and if he's going to put a band together, because I'd love to be a part of it. And so that's how I had my, my introduction to Prince, and I had my in to hopefully get an audition with Prince at that time. That's really a wonderful story in the sense that that was the moment that impressed you on uh, the talent that he had. Now, the fact of the matter is, is, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, I'm just saying. So then when he, when he did get the, you know, he landed his record deal with Warner Brothers and then that album came out, uh, you know, of course, when I listened to the album and how much more refined he had become even since the demos that, that impressed me even more. I just knew that uh, we had something very, very special coming to the world at that time. No question. Go ahead. Your turn. My, my, my last question is um, you were obviously with him for the longest period of time. Um, can you share one of your fondest moments uh, at Paisley Park. I recently went there about two weeks ago. Uh, got to experience it uh, from top to bottom. 
Um, what was one of your fondest memories there? At, at Paisley Park? Yeah, yeah. And the building itself? Mm. Um, well, you know, of course we we prepped for tours there, but that was post-revolution days. So uh, my the first real heavy-duty work that was done there when, when I was in the group was the filming of uh, Sign of the Times uh, scenes that needed to be done after all the live footage was taken over in Europe. So we spent a solid week at Paisley adding to that you know, so they could do some special close-ups and some special dramatic kind of things that they did within that concert film so they could get the, you know, those shots done, pick up shots, so to speak, is what they call that. So um, that was some, some uh, intense work. It was, you know, long days, uh, but really incredible to be in that building when it was brand new like that and working there. I really enjoyed that. And then one other, I'll, I'll give you one more story that I really was a major highlight for me was uh, doing the actual technical pre-production rehearsals for the Sign of the Times tour in the soundstage, the big room, just like we did for Sign of the Times uh, movie pickup shots. But we were doing all the pre-production for sounds and sound and lights there. And, uh, and of course, you do that one more time, you know, right before the tour, you go over to another giant rehearsal space in Europe because the tour started over there, and there's a good 10 days of more technical rehearsal there. But uh, there was the day when we were rehearsing, and uh, Quincy Jones and his head engineer, uh, Bruce Sweden, had come into town to meet with Prince, and they were... Uh, given a front row seat, literally on the stage, just right behind me, watching the whole what sexy rehearsal dress rehearsal. So here I am, <laughs> being scrutinized heavily by Quincy Jones, sitting right behind me. So yeah, I, I tried not to be nervous. I tried not to uh, let it uh, take me out, but it, it did a little bit. I, I will admit that you know having that heavyweight guy watching me play was really something else. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Dirty Mind Controversy, great albums, uh, Under the Cherry Moon, what I refer to as French funk, a great album, underrated. And I want to, you know, uh, like Christopher, um, your piano uh, and classical skills are amazing, and I just want to thank uh, this moment to be able to speak with you. Thank you, Christopher, for what you're doing, and we'll let you guys uh, carry on for the night. All right, thank you so much. Right. Appreciate it. 1958. Yeah, you, obviously, you know, there's there's so many um, so many different periods of time that people could have come in, and you know, you I always hear stories that of, of people that come in at, at different. Uh, stages of Prince's career and it's just he just did so many different varieties of music that if you liked rock you may have you know come in during the you know cause and effect period you know if you liked you know if you liked the hip-hop part of it you could have come in in the 90s if you liked you know so it's like there was a little bit of 
everything, even elements of punk, even elements of, I mean, it was, there was always something there. And I, one of the things that just amazes me about Prince is that I've never heard anybody say that they hated him. They were, they either loved Prince or they were indifferent. There was never any, Yeah. there was never any hate. <laughs> it was, that, that that's it. No, no I never. Uh, I never, I never heard anybody go. Oh, I can't stand his music. I never heard that. Yeah, it's it's from anyone. It's, it's, it's so, just no. how many artists can you? But I, 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 go ahead. Yeah, you say that about not too many. And well, the one thing is, is that I, you know, I once in a while I I do run into people who just said, "Well, I never really listened to him. Never was into it." I don't get that very much, though. Most people, you know, know his music and love his music, so. You know, he, he, to me, you know, you could say he was the, the Beatles of the eighties, maybe you could go that far. Oh, sure. Popularity to something, something like that, you know? Absolutely. And I, I, I fully believe that he will be revered as such, um, years from now. I, I just, there's just, just with yeah. the sheer volume of music and everything, it was like he touched on, it's just, yeah. Oh, we do have some other calls here. Let's, uh, see who this person is. Uh, welcome to Funked Up. Who's on the line? You're on the line with Dr. Matt Fink. Hi, Mr. Christopher. It's Tia. Hey, Tia. How are you? For those of you who don't know who Tia is, <laughs> Tia is uh, actually uh, management crew for Princess Hair Stylist, Kim Berry. Uh, how are you doing, Tia? Hey, I'm wonderful. Enjoying the, the interview tonight with Dr. Fink. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Fink. You're welcome. So I actually just wanted to call in and just say thank you and tell you how much we all appreciate everything that you all are doing, um, Mr. Christopher and Funkatopia, and just continuing to spread Prince's legacy and everything that you all are doing with the revolution. I was blessed to be at First Avenue for two nights in September when you all came for the tribute concert or whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, and it was it was truly, um, I don't have words for it, but um, it was just, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I was there for... Yeah, it, it really was. It was beyond. Um, I, I try to express to people what it was like that first night, that Thursday night. And I was there the Thursday night and the Friday night. But um, I really just, I, I don't want to take a lot of time because I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions for you. But I just wanted to tell you how much um, we appreciate everything. I saw you again. Um, we saw you all in, in Cleveland at, uh, the house of blues. And that was a lot of fun too. But, um, there was, it was, you know, it's always wonderful to see you all, but there was something about that Thursday night and that Friday night that I'll always hold extremely dear. And, um, I can't thank you enough for that. So I really, I'm going to go on that note, but I just wanted to thank okay. you and tell you how much I appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, Mr. Christopher. Great, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, thanks Tia. I appreciate it. 
I just, I think that that is um, the overall consensus of a lot of people is um, how blessed people feel that you guys and, and Prince were even a part of our lives. I, for me, um, I'm not going to try my not to choke myself up here because I'm a grown man. But the reality of it is, is that, and this is like really, I, it's just, it's going to sound horrible even coming out of my mouth. But I cried more when Prince died than when my grandmother died, and I was very extremely close to my grandmother. And and, and the thing about this is, is that I I feel like I can't even imagine what my life would have been like if Prince wasn't hadn't been involved if 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 the music that you guys were creating I mean and even outside of what you guys were doing but if Prince's music hadn't been a part of my life I I don't know where I would have landed I can't imagine any artist that consumed me more than than Prince and I, I can't it's just he had this way of creating this music that just really just really healed people from the inside out. And um, it was one of the reasons why I started Funkatopia and one of the reasons why we did the radio stations. And, you know, to honor him, I made sure that we were uh, ASCAP licensed <laughs> and all that. And just making sure that I was doing everything within his, the way that he would have wanted it. And the fact that I was even on his radar at all, I mean, he gave me so much love on Facebook and Twitter when he was with us, and I just felt like, I, I just kind of feel like I'm continuing on and just and, and doing everything I possibly can to make sure that his legacy just keeps going. And so it's always an honor to me to have somebody like you that was a part of that. Um, it's just it's just incredible to have to even have you here, and I'm just I've. I'm blessed to have you here, so thank you so much for even coming. I'll just say that out outright. You're well. You're welcome. No problem. I mean, I I always uh, believe in in giving back to our supporters and fans, and uh, it's important to me too. You know, because um, you know I, I love people and I love the I love entertaining. So it's been part of my life since I was a kid, and. Uh, I was also into theater. Like you said, I grew up in a very theatrical home. Both my parents had uh, degrees in the theater and, and were highly active in the theater scene here in the Twin Cities. So, uh, you know, my father wrote plays, he directed plays, he acted in plays, and my mom even had her own talent agency at one time for uh, actors that wanted to do voiceover work for radio and TV commercials and all that stuff. So I, I grew up with that whole atmosphere, uh, not to mention, you know, they were musically inclined as well and introduced me to just a wide variety of cultural events growing up. I mean, they, they gave me everything. They gave me exposure to Broadway plays and musicals and the ballet and, you know, standard theater. Uh, of course, music. Uh, my father was a major classical music aficionado. And when he was going to the University of Minnesota, he did his own classical music radio show cool. at, at the university station, which was uh, KULM. 
So he was well-versed in classical music, and uh, my mom was well-versed in, you know, all the big band era stuff and had, had that kind of music playing all the time in the house when I was growing up, lots of jazz. Um, we had everything. <laughs> you know, it was great. Did they ever get to come see you perform with Prince? Or did they? Did you ever get like they were? Were they ever front row oh, there for you? Every, all the time. Really? They, they came every performance in yeah, in Minnesota, and I at one point I flew them over to London to see the shows there during the uh, Love Sexy tour. They want you know I wanted to give them a little vacation, so I flew them in. <laughs> they, did they ever do the parent thing where they were like, I yeah. can't believe that he's singing about this. They didn't say anything. I, well, they're, art, they're artistic people, so probably not. But my mother yeah. would have given yeah, me were, all kinds are, of grief. They they were open to anything, like, you know, because, you know, when I was, uh, how old was I? I was 10 years old when my parents took me to see the play Hair. Oh, my in God. Chicago, uh, uh, like, <laughs> Yeah, we were like we were like on a family uh, vacation to Chicago. My dad had a, a business convention to go to, so he took us all to Chicago with him. And we went and saw Hair one night, and Mame uh, the second night. So they <laughs> oh went gosh. to two different Broadway plays with my brother, with my brother and I, and uh, it was fabulous, you know. And you know, Hair they had you know nudity on stage at that time, <laughs> right? Yeah. Five, and they still do it. Very, 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 and they yeah, they're still doing it, and uh, it's really it's very um, groundbreaking in those days for Americans to do that. Like over in Europe, of course, we know that nudity was much more accepted and part of even their television commercials. You know, I mean, even back in the eighties when I'd be on tour with Prince, you know, there there was nudity and you know soap commercials in the shower. You know. <laughs> We never, we've never had that here. We still don't get that here yet. Yeah, calling to the other room. Oh my gosh, the cable box isn't scrambled. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I've got. I've only got a couple more callers on here. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Go I, got, I got a couple oh, go more ahead. callers on here, and I, I think I know who both of these are. I'm, I'm sorry. I keep talking over. I think we have a little bit of a delay, and I think that's that's the cause of us talking over okay. each other some of the time. But it's fine. Uh, all right. No problem. No problem. Let's see who this person is. Uh, welcome to Funked Up. You're on the line with Dr. Matt Fink. Who's calling? Hi, this is Maylene. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Hi, Dr. Fink. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. I, I'm good. I just good. really wanted to call and give you a shout-out because I remember back in 2004 when I called you and asked if I could do an interview. You were so gracious, and you let me come out to your home and showed me all that memorabilia, and it really warmed my heart. And I still have the interview, and I'm going to include, you know, the pieces of it into the book and the current book that I'm writing. And I just wanted to give you a shout-out and tell me, tell you how much that meant to me back then because you really did give me a sense of who Prince was, you know, because I left in 1980 before all of that started. And um, oh, wow. 
I got to see you guys in Oklahoma City, as you know. We talked um, at the revolution, the revolution, and I had never seen the revolution. So I was very, um, it was emotional. It was emotional yeah. for me to be there and to see you guys and to think about him and how he was back in the day and how he achieved what he, what he wanted to be. And, you know, that part was missing for me. And I'm so glad you came to Oklahoma City. And I got a chance to meet uh, your wife and Bobby D's wife, who were very warm and open to me, and I really did enjoy myself, and so did my husband. So I just wanted to let you know that. Thank you. great. I'm glad that uh, you you had a great time with that. And, uh, yeah, that was a special uh, deal there in Oklahoma City. That was a... a special event for the music, big music school there, as you know. Right, right. set up by them, yeah. Which yeah. is actually uh, University of Central Oklahoma, which is where I am. So um, yeah. I was just glad to go and support that in that weather, too. Kind of had the bad weather that night. Yeah. So I just wanted yeah. to thank you. You've always been down to earth and just real. And I have not forgotten those hours we spent at your home recording studio and all of that. So shout out to you, okay? Yes, well, thank you very much. And I, I do remember you, of course. Just want you to know that. I yeah. remember well, I meeting appreciate- you. Well, thank you, hon. Yeah. Mr. Christopher, I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, too, Maylee. <laughs> all righty. You guys have a great interview. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. Thanks. All righty. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. And I had one more person on the line, the person that uh, you and I both know, I mean, I'm going to bring her on the line in a second, but because it's one of the one of the other things I wanted to talk about was this cruise that we're going to be doing in January. Yeah. The, the For the Love of God cruise, which I, I, I think... One of the reasons, I think your heart was in the same place that that mine was when we kind of heard about this cruise. When you have an event, when you have something that is is really done in the spirit of exactly what Prince would have done. Everything that he stood for as far as his generosity, as far as his humanitarian efforts, everything was completely in play with what was happening with this cruise. And for those that don't know what I'm referring to, I'm referring to the For the Love of God cruise that's happening in January. It's January 5th, and cabins are going going pretty quick. Um, and uh, yours truly, I'll be on the ship, as well as the legendary Dr. Fink. He is also going to be on this cruise. Uh, and a host of other people, Owen Husney, is going to be on the cruise, which is going to be very, very cool because... Uh, did you ever get a chance to meet Owen back in the day? Oh yeah, Owen and I are uh, been close friends for many years. We we see each other all the time. Fantastic. Yeah, we see each other regularly. So I so now I've actually brought the one and only uh, Gail, who is that? This is actually her organization, the For the Love of God organization. Gail, hello, welcome. Hello, how are you guys doing? I've been listening the whole the whole time. I've been driving to New Orleans. I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Okay. <laughs> Tia came on. I'll be feeding her here in a little while. We're going to go down tomorrow and do some uh, live feeds, and I've got to check on some of the things that we're going to start planning for the 4th. Um, Matt and everybody will be down on the 4th of January before the cruise leaves on the 5th, and um, we're going to have a full day planned of uh, meet and greets and photo ops and just all kinds of good things for that day for the people who can't make it on the cruise because of school. You know, a lot of teachers and things can't come because they have to, to be back in school. So we want to make it, you know, special for them as well. So, but um, I'm excited. And, and Matt, I can't thank you enough. You know, we've had many conversations. And thank Andrea for taking you away from her tonight again. <laughs> But um, I'm just, we're very blessed, you know, and, and I'm just thrilled and, and, and I know very honored to have you guys backing us, you know, for the love of God. Um, I don't know if you caught it today. We actually had a feed from Alpine Crest Elementary. They had approached me a couple of weeks ago and wanted to know if they, if for the love of God, could fund their school, you know, with a full band. They already have a teacher. And so they've already had some other people come in and say, yes, we would love to teach the children for free. And um, so it just touches my heart. I mean, it's the whole purpose of, you know, behind For the Love of God. Not only do we, and I said, do you, are you guys going to have a problem? You know, because sometimes in school, it's very controversial with God being in school. And she said, not at all. She's already got it approved, you know, by the superintendent. And they said, we were just, we're just blessed themselves to have France fans and the support of love of God coming in there to honor friends and God. So, I mean, you can't get any better than that, you know, and it's just such an honor. But um, we're actually starting part of the, the dollars from the cruise will, whatever we raise, and like I said, that's not been our main focus point, but obviously it's time now to start that. Um, we'll be going to Alpine Crest Elementary in addition to um, the community centers that we're supporting. And I want to just kind of tell you guys this today, and I'm going to pray really hard that this comes to see the light of day. I signed the paperwork today for a piece of property that I'm hoping to build the first part for print um, so the kids can have free movies, free music, free dance, free art, and it will be in honor of print. For the love of God. So I will be meeting with the city next meeting with the city next week, and and I will be donating that too for the love of God for the children and the future legacy of France. So that's it. Oh, she's breaking up. We're losing you there a little bit, uh, Gail. Uh, okay, I'm probably fixing the switch tower. Is that better? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little better. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we yeah we we, okay. yeah, we can hear you. Up. Okay. Um, it may switch towers too because we're getting into New Orleans here. It looks like. Um, but Matt, I just can't I can't thank you enough. You know how I feel about that. We've talked off and on for I guess probably a year and a half or more now, and you've always reached back out to me, and I think, you know, you know Prince's Love God story. Do you have anything right off the top of your mind that from the beginnings of, of his early career about his, you know, 
his con, you know, his personal self with God. Well, he's very. I'm sorry. Uh, can you repeat the question again? Just anything, anything that stands out in your mind back in the early days that he might have said to you about God. You know, just anything in this general conversation. You know, I'd like to kind of know. I talked to Owen the other day, and he was telling me that you know, he, from his perspective, that he just was, you know, kind of growing into God. And Gail had kept telling him that he was blessed, and he was blessed, and he was blessed. And you know, he kind of seen that transition period of when he finally realized that, yeah, I am blessed. You know, because not everybody's as creative as I am, and and so forth. So I was just wondering, you know, how that came about with you guys early on. Well, he just was always a very uh, strong believer in the faith and God and was just always there with it anyway. So I, I, I never saw that waver in the whole time I worked with him. He was always... Um, well, and you know, and I, you know, I thought about this long and hard, and never ever in a million years thought I would ever be in this position. Um, people ask me why I picked France, and I said I didn't. God picked me for France, um, and because this message, I feel like, you know, I've always said to everybody, his legacy will live forever, or at least in our lifetimes, you know, and carry forth even with these new kids that we're introducing the music to. And, you know, part of my criteria for if they, somebody approaches and says, hey, will you help help fund our center or wherever, you know, like this elementary school? I said, okay, but I've got to be able to put, they, the kids must know that it comes from friends, and it also must, they must know that he loved God. So, and we've got, you know, pictures and things that have his writings, his love God. And so, and I have witnessed it myself where the children will say, they'll pick up an instrument and it's got that emblem on there. And they'll say, wow, Prince loved God. And it's like, yeah, the door's open, you know. And so you start telling them. And then they get really, really interested into the music, you know. And so that just makes me feel really good that we're doing something that I think Prince would be very proud of. And, um, yeah, no, you know, yeah, no yeah, such a strong message for him, and he was a vessel just like we are. And, you know, I battled with it in the beginning, but I can see what it's done, and it's been, you know, a, it's been a hard journey. You know, I talked to my pastor at church about it, and I said, I'm not the person to be doing this. And he said, well, if God's feet on your heart is strong to do it. And he said, you're the hardest working person I've ever seen, so I guess that's why he chose you. I said, that I can roll with. You know, that I understand. So, you know, I quit battling with it and say, okay, let's get focused and let's make this thing happen. And, and so we are. I'm so proud of everybody that's come forth and has helped us with this journey. And it's just amazing to me how open everyone is to it. I mean, obviously you have some people that's going to be controversial here and there, but for the whole, the most part of it, everybody is just, they're so open to the love God coming from France which has been my experience with it so far. So in the cruise, right. you know, I, you know, the cruise is just going to be great because we've got you coming on, obviously. You were the first one that stepped up and said, yeah, I'm in, and I'm thankful for that. And, um, and you know, of course, Owen and Chris will be on there, Chris Moon. Um, I actually will be talking to some other people, too, that you know.
know very well. I won't say right now because we don't have anything written in stone, but I think it'll be bringing maybe, potentially, some other friends together. Um, and this is just going to be the best time. I mean, I think it's, we've got the agenda to, you know, spread the message, obviously, but it's going to give people some one-on-one time for five days. We're really sick that you count it in New Orleans on the 4th. And um, so I can't wait to get on there and just make this be, this is kind of, I know you guys touched on it earlier, we are hoping and that Valerie is actually working on the next cruise too as well. If this one is, success, is as successful as we think it's going to be, we are hoping to have in the future the whole full-blown Friends, fans of every sort <laughs> on there, and just you know, have our own ship to rock the rock, put some serious motion in the ocean. I guess is the way I should say. Well, we appreciate everything you're you're doing, Gail. So, and and uh, I'm gonna, well, and you're kind of dropping in and out, but um, definitely, thank you so so much, Gail, for for uh, everything you're doing. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about the cruise here, and uh, and thank you so much, and drive safe. All right, I'm almost there. Yeah. We're, we're doing good. Yeah. Always love God and France for the love of God, guys. <laughs> All right, thanks, dear. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, So if you wanted to find more information on the cruise, the cruise is actually called the Purple Party of the Year 2019. And I don't think I I, I put that anywhere. I think even in the commercial that I even cut, I didn't didn't say that. But um, it's the Purple Party of the Year 2019. Uh And uh, I'm going to be on it. Dr. Matt Fink is going to be on it. Chris Moon's going to be there. Owen Husty's going to be there. Uh, lots of people are actually going to be uh, on the cruise, and it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. And on top of that, we'll also have um, Kim Berry and uh, artist Dan Lacey. So lots of, lots of, lots of good, good, fine people that are going to be on there. And uh, is it true that this is actually your first cruise ever? Yeah. <laughs> how have you managed? How have you managed to not? How have you managed that? <laughs> to never be on a cruise <laughs> was this not your thing um, or did you I to... get, I, I, uh, I didn't, no I, I I get seasick oh okay so, but, but you're still willing to do it I, I well I was out on the ocean in smaller boats and I and I would you know try to take uh, seasickness uh, remedies beforehand so I wouldn't get sick and usually I'd be fine, but then as soon as the boat would stop and start going up and down and doing stuff, I'd get very nauseous. But uh, big cruise ships, I hear, are much easier on people like me, so I'm going to give it a shot. I want to see if I can, you know, make it work. Well, I, I can tell you that, yes, it's a very, very vast, yeah, it's a very vast difference between the smaller boats and the and, and the cruise ships. Um, I'm also, I'm bad on, on, on smaller boats because I've gone on fishing trips before and and I've never caught a single thing other than (laughs) just, it's just nausea. That's it. Uh, but yeah, cruise ship is just, I mean, there's a balance thing. You have to figure that out. You have to figure out, you know, because there is, you got to work with the balance, but I wasn't, I, we got the patches. I can't remember what those patches are called, but my wife is the same way. She got, she got the patches and she thought for sure she didn't have to even use them one time. It's just, it's, it's just so, so different. 
So uh, it's a good thing. I'm excited. I can't wait to be on the cruise with you. Um, but before before you go, I want to make sure that we kind of recap. First off, thank you so, so much for coming uh, on the show. Uh, I know that uh, people really, really appreciate the fact that you took time to actually come on the show. Thank you so, so much for that. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time with you on, on the cruise. And... Uh, uh, just just being able to talk with you and 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 hang out with you and kind of and I'm and that's the other thing too people you need to get on this cruise the cabins are going fast you want more information to be on this purple party of the year 2019 go to prince for the love of god.org that's prince the number 4 the love of god.org again what I was saying was is that one of the reasons why I got involved and one of the reasons why uh Dr. Fink got involved was because of the fact that it's the the cruise is for charity. It's for a 501c3 organization uh, that helps uh, children that are less fortunate and some of the inner city children that can't get music equipment. And you hear some of the things that they're doing. They're, she's she's trying to put together you know parks for kids that actually can in, you know where they can see free movies and have you know just just be able to experience the arts. And that was something that was very, very dear to, to Prince's heart. And when we, you know, obviously when I found out that it was a 501c3 organization and I realized how intensely scrutinized every single penny is that goes into organizations like that, it is very, very important that you know this is not, it, it completely is a very, very, um, just a, a heartfelt and humanitarian cruise and there's going to be a lot of great people on it. Again, I've already gone over the list of people that are going to be on there, including tons of Prince fans. You need to be on this cruise. It's January 5th. It leaves out of New Orleans. It will go to Cozumel and also Progreso, Yucatan, Mexico. And Prince, the number four, theloveofgod.org is where you go to get tickets. And it's not expensive at all. It's not at all. It's a very, very inexpensive no. cruise. I mean, it's only like 500 bucks for... <laughs> of a room, which is ridiculous. You're getting a five-day uh, Western Caribbean cruise out of it, it for that alone without all the other stuff that's coming with it. So it's going to be great. And I hope you definitely will consider guys going. All you need is 100 bucks to be able to deposit, and that's it. That's all you need. So please go. <clears throat> Dr. Fink would love to hang out with you. I would love to hang out with you. All these people would love to hang out with you. So there's that. Um, please make sure you do it. Cabins are going fast. Also, make sure that you head to mymymusic.com. Absolutely head to mymymusic.com. I'll let you do uh, a thir- your 30-second your 30 pitch for My My Music. You're going to do it way better than I am, so I'll let you pitch that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, My My Music is the new music streaming service dedicated to the independent hip-hop R&B artists. And uh, it's a great thing. It's, it's free of charge to join. It's free of charge for the artists to join and, and show their music off. And uh, you are the judge when you sign up for My My Music. You judge the songs in the blind. You tell them whether it's fantastic, okay, or... If they need to keep their day job. It's not vernacular. <laughs> They call it, yeah. No, they call it, they call it whack. It's called whack. whack. But you know what? The whole key to it is get, give, no, listen, give feedback to the artists. Some of these artists are, are talented and they just need a little feedback. And uh, some of them, they take all that 
you know, those comments to heart, and they will go back and they change things. They take the advice, and the songs come out better after you tell them what you think. It happens. You are, you, the, the listener, become the A&R person. There you go. You're, you, you're, we're not going to be dependent on people sitting in offices somewhere uh, being the uh, tastemaker for what we get to hear on the radio. It's the public who gets to do it now, which is important. Yeah, I think, yeah. And, and definitely, if we can kind of get our voices in there, because uh, so a lot of the stuff I'm hearing on the radio, I don't know who's picking this stuff, but maybe if we could try, <laughs> if we could change some of the direction maybe we're going in, uh, maybe this is the perfect avenue to be able to control some of that output, because holy cow, um, I don't understand a lot of it. But maybe I'm just getting old and... And, you know, I'm not taking Adderall or anything yet yeah. either, so. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, right. uh Anyways, thank you so, so much for coming on. Anything else you want to say before you before you leave us? Um, that's it for now. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll see you next year. Yep, I will that's definitely fair. do that. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, right. Dr. Right. Matt Fink. Thank you so much, sir. We'll talk later. All right. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Funkatopia Live and Funked Up is the online radio station of Funkatopia and is in no way affiliated or endorsed by Paisley Park or the estate of Prince Rogers Nelson. Yet.